at Salt Force One, a podcast where we talk all things Navy, military, and other global happenings. I am your commander in chief, Frank. And I am the salty millennial, uh, aka Jimmy. Yeah, we're doing our first uh, podcast by transatlantic cable. So there'll be some yep. pregnant pauses in there. So just forgive us and shut up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The, the Navy finally got sick of my shit and uh, deployed me to. Uh, to our arduous uh, duty station in the middle of the uh, uh, sub Antarctic region. So. Ooh, nice! Have you been playing with penguins much? No, <laughs> no, no. Just kidding. I'm actually at a CIA black site. Um, so that makes sense. Doing uh, all kinds of really cool stuff. Like torture? Doing a lot of torture? The, the United States does not torture. No, it's called uh, enhanced advanced. interrogation. Yes, enhanced. Yeah. Yes, quite. Yeah, that's right. Well, so it's been a uh, while before so, the holidays yeah, since we've yeah. been on here, and uh, yeah, 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 we had some challenges getting getting connected. So it <laughs> uh, sounds sounds like we're we're finally able to uh, to speak via the talkie, so we don't have to use our uh, telegrams. Yeah, but, uh, but we had to use Skype, and Skype always has delays, and I hate it. And it's just it's all yeah, that's yeah. working right now. We we got you nice and salty, so we got you uh, ready to go for uh, for the podcast, ready to to, to uh, complain about shit on on Salt Force One. Yeah, and so where so, where it is now? It worked out pretty well. Well, and where we are time zone wise, like you're probably able, probably trying to wind down. I'm drinking coffee. It's 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 weird. Oh no no, I'm drinking coffee. I'm, uh, drinking uh, <laughs> a lot of coffee. Like basically, my life these days is like, well, I guess I'll have another cup of coffee. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's just caffeine at like all hours of the day, and uh, yeah, it's fun. So um, I found out that uh, I really like uh, uh, Diet Seven Up and Five Hour Energy um, as a mixed drink. Um, yeah, yeah, it's actually yeah, it's a it's a real winner. I think you um, have a problem. No, 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 no. <laughs> there's, there's no problem here. This is, there's, there's only one, uh, one direction with caffeine, and that's up. So, <laughs> have you thought about <laughs> cocaine? <laughs> yeah. So, that's probably the. Um, uh, maybe if I were, if I were, maybe if I were in the Pacific, um, maybe that would be happening. So, Pacific, typically you can get your, uh, your crystal meth out there too. They love the crystal meth yeah, in the I Pacific. Guess so. Yeah, I gotta call Fat Leonard and find out. Yay! <laughs> well, yeah. So, so um, it's been it's been a, it's been a, a while since we've had a no kidding podcast actually successfully recorded and transmitted. So hopefully this works out. Yeah, we had Christmas come and go. We had New Year's come and go. We had Iran come and go. Yeah, that was a short-lived uh, World War Three. Um, <laughs> did you hear about uh, the uh, the draft emails or the text messages that were going out? Oh, somebody okay. talking about re-implementing the draft or something. Yeah, it was a big scam. I don't know what the purpose was, other than maybe a little social engineering. But um, apparently, a bunch of people got text messages saying that they were, you know, they either were being drafted or they. You need to sign up for the draft, or I mean, well, I guess everybody, every every adult male registers mm-hmm. for the draft still. So this was like, hey, you're being drafted. <laughs> um, That's funny. Which is, you know, at, at a certain point, you get people in a sort of a frenzy, and they believe that kind of thing. And so it was just the right time to do that, and it, it was believable enough, so that had people, you know, going crazy. That's the um, funny. At, at least on Twitter. Well, that's the funny thing, like with the stuff that pops up. You know, people get uh, start getting their outrage right away, you know, the second they read a word. And suddenly they'll fall for anything, and then they're going crazy about everything. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's not great. Like, I was not... At first, when I heard about Soleimani, I thought we hit him in Iran. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. But (laughs) I was just thinking about that, about what the scenario would have looked like if we had chosen to strike him and kill him in... In Iran, and and it would be very different, very different. Yeah, because he wouldn't, the president wouldn't be able to say he's already authorized. Because with Iraq, he was already, you know, he can do these strikes uh, 
you know, based on yeah, yeah, based on precedent, how things have gotten twisted over the years. Yeah, it's the yeah exactly the the um, author, authorized use of military force. Right. There's um, there's two of those from I think it's O one and O three, and um, they've they've had a, we've <laughs> we've twisted those two pieces of uh, legislation into all kinds of knots over the past couple decades to make them fit whatever situation uh, we found ourselves in. And both both sides of the, the aisle, you know, Democrat and Republican. So yeah, what about uh, Libya? I laughed a little bit. Yeah, and, and I mean exactly, exactly. It's 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 just been whatever situation comes up, where we where we need what we need, where uh, the administration feels the need to take military action, uh, they just figure out a way to apply AUMF to it, yeah. and um, and and those are specific to um, Iraq and Afghanistan, and uh, and and if you really if you read them, I mean they're they're. They've been. I think they may have been uh, amended a couple times over the years, but I mean, basically, it was one for uh, Afghanistan in '01, which authorized us to go, you know, send in our horse soldiers and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's the one in '03, which authorized us to invade Iraq and shock and all. So, uh, you know, they they didn't really end. They've just been morphed over time to what we have now. And of course, they had ISIS added because ISIS wasn't a thing back then, and right. now it is. Uh, I mean, you know, so it's like it's one of those like at, at the time it always kind of makes sense, uh, and you just kind of gradually progress, and then and even now, I mean, I'm not questioning, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with the logic and the and the legality of the Solani strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worth questioning. It's always worth questioning. Right. Um, but I'm not saying it's it, it shouldn't have been done. Well, that, um, and that's kind of where I get hung up, like. Killing him is great. I mean, that's wonderful for the for the world, especially for America. But it, actually, for a lot of uh, uh, Arab folk yeah. too, he killed more Muslims than he killed. Yeah. yeah. And um, so no, I mean, for it, sure. it's great having him dead. But like, you know, if you want to get into the debate of, you know, should we be doing drone strikes in another country? Yeah. Yeah. So what? Now what? Right. Yeah. So. But so. Uh, it, it's it's um it's it's a whole new kind of worms and. Uh, you know, you just got to be prepared for that kind of. That's that's a pretty seismic, strategic shift. Yeah. And uh, it's it's not not an assassination. Uh, he he's, he was a, it was a he was a combatant. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's not not a political leader, but uh, the last you know, administration a made him a, a terrorist, designated him a terrorist. Yep. Yep. And um, he well was that under Obama? I thought so, yeah, but I now that I said it, I'm beginning to question that. I th- I, I know the the Trump administration designated the uh, Quds Force as, as a terrorist organization. Oh, they just did the um, whole Quds. Yeah, so they said that um, the the Quds Force is like the so it's the Iranian. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna make it, IRGC um, is the I for Iranian or Islamic. I can't remember. I always forget. But it's IRGC, Revolutionary Guard Corps. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Iranian, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, and then Quds Force is like their special forces. Um, little, it's kind of a mix of special forces and CIA. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they. Ex- I mean, that's their, that's their external network. You know, they go export. Uh, you know, we would call it violence or uh, malign influence, and then they would say it's um, their, um, I don't know, way of life. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, yeah. So he was the commander of that that force, and. Uh, Oh, sorry. So it was the is the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Yeah. that's what that. I thought it was. Well, I was like, I was about to go. I yeah. think it's Islamic. And you go to Iranian. I'm like, well, Jimmy probably knows. No, <laughs> no. So I am. Um, I. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> uh, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't p- pretend to know too much about these guys, but. Um, uh, other than they are assholes, and uh, he was an asshole. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to shed a tear for him. Um, I, love- I 100% agree with your point that we need to be looking at what this means, and uh, I don't know. Well, that's there, you know, there's some people that say that he was like a. That if you read some of these stories, that the the option was presented to the president as like a throwaway course of action. Like, oh yeah, oh, by the way, we you know we could do this, uh, but you know. You don't really want to do that, and then the president goes, "No, nah, I think I want to do that. Let's do that." I heard that, and, but um, I also heard that he authorized the uh, authorized killing Soleimani seven months ago. Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I, I've heard that as well. Um, 
So I don't, I don't know. Uh, you never know how these things are. I mean, these right. things are kind of talked about over time, but, uh, and I also don't really, I don't buy into the whole idea of the, the throwaway COA, the COA course of action. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty common in the military to put a, put together a, a set of COAs and you have one that's sort of like, well, we're not going to do that. It, it's, if you want to go with like the, the tried and true method, you get three COAs. One is too soft one or, you know, not enough. And then one is way too much. And then the, and then the middle one is just right. You know, that's the Goldilocks approach. So is you, that know, a, you always kind of, is that a real approach? No, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not just for like operations, like going doing strikes, but just in, in any kind of military decision-making, um, it's pretty common to have that approach of, uh, you know, too much, too little, or just right. But, and you just present it that way. And everybody kind of puts all their, all their effort into planning the middle one. Right. Just right. And then, but you never know what the, the decision maker is going to decide. So it's kind of like a game. Like you're trying to guide him to the one you want, uh, which is not good. That's not good. Like analysis or decision-making. Like you just, you really just want to like present all the options and just give him the risks and benefits and like pros and cons, cost benefit analysis and, let them make an informed decision. Don't don't try to like influence what their decision will be. Well, it's okay to um, I mean, influence and advising is fine, but I so like uh you know the the too hot too cold approach. I mean, when they're presented, they're they're actual thought out ideas, right? They're not just like, well, we definitely well, don't want to do this. We definitely don't <laughs> want to do this. So, exactly a good question. And a lot of times if you get too much into that uh, that Goldilocks approach, then you throw you put the throwaway koa on there which is something you've not given enough thought to which probably is not even feasible or legal or ethical or blah 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 whatever and you're just hoping it's a throwaway koa and that nobody will pay attention to it and what you do is you just use it as to say hey well, we've thought about these options we're not just giving you one option we're giving you three but if you really peel back the onion you the the decision maker only has one option now you so so you can't be you, you can't be too surprised when he says, well, no, I kind of like COA three. I want to <laughs> do that. And then, then you, then you're, then you got to go. Oh, uh, okay. Well, especially um, so with we'll this go, guy. We'll do that. <laughs> like if anybody's yeah, going to be exactly. crazy, it's so, going to be Trump. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only, so absolutely. And, and I, that's why I kind of don't buy into it. Number one, we've had him in office for, uh, three years now. Right. And we, 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 it's pretty publicly known. Like I've never worked in DC. I've never worked in circles around him. And I know very well that he's, he's kind of uh, apt to take the, the unpopular approach. Right. I mean, everybody right. knows that it's, it's common knowledge now. It's so bread and butter. so at this point, if, if to think that somebody would have been, been surprised by him choosing this option, uh, that's shenanigans. No, no, we, you, you would think, if I were making this this slide or, or decision brief or whatever and presenting these options, I would be very much prepared for him to select the kill Soleimani option. Seriously. Um, well, out of well, all and, the... all, and then also – Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And it's also he's a he's the president with the with the authority to do that, or at least presumed, right? We have presumed he's got the authority to do that. So you're not just playing games here. You're you're presenting an option that he could very well choose, regardless of I mean Trump definitely, but any president, you know, you have to be prepared. So I guess what I'm saying is I I'm pretty hopeful and optimistic that the people that put this slide deck together really did actually plan for him to be able to select that option. Well, and and I, and this this narrative that it was a throwaway koa is probably BS. I think that tends to happen at lower levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could could be naive, but I my my gut says that it's this 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 got through several layers of review by very senior generals and admirals, and you know yeah. three you know one two three four stars didn't get to the president just on some um, junior officers uh, you know emailing him from his you know cubicle. Right, I mean. Right. This was reviewed several times, so that, that I, I have to believe that thought was given to that that he would choose that option, well, and he did. And so, it, and so, like, but Trump yeah. though, like, it's it's so I can pretty much always guess if, if it's like okay, so scenario one, it's like, well, we can either shove a missile up a bad guy's ass, or we can do whatever the other two options are. You can be like, let's do that one. Let's put the missile up the bad guy's ass, and then the other thing is like, well, we've got some questionable things going on with the. Some people in the military, they might be held for murder. We can either pardon them or we can do... Yeah, pardon them. Pardon the military guy. 
Like, he's always going to choose the part of the yeah. military guy. He's always going to choose to shoot the bad guy. If you give him the options, you go, hey, we could do these things. It's like, okay, could do that. We good guy, they bad guy. We kill them. We pardon us. Yeah. I would say so. I would say, you know, um, if he's if he's being given military options, one thing that yeah. I've noticed about Trump is that he um, he does like to use. So there's there's in the military, we talk about the four instruments of national power. Uh, the acronym we use is DIME. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, diplomatic, information, military, and economic. Yeah. And we, we do that because we, we try to like coach ourselves that we're not the only instrument of national power. Right. And there's these other, these other levers that you can pull. And and Trump seems to be very, very aware of that and the fact that he uses the economic lever mm-hmm. pretty strongly. He does. I mean, the tariff war, of course, and there's other examples. And he kind of doesn't lean on the military lever that much at least i don't think as much as obama did um i think he's he's trying to withdraw from conflicts in the middle east and um he's in a tariff war with china because he probably understands that he doesn't want to be in a military war with china right um so so there's other you know there's examples where he's using economic influence more than uh presidents have in the recent past and um like uh, the the show the, the the little kind of mini showdown he had with Kim Jong Un a couple of years ago, I mean, that didn't that did not end up with uh, military action, and uh, you could kind of see how if you look back on it now, he was kind of using his diplomatic slash information levers with his Twitter account and uh, um, you know trying to you know rhetoric and all that because he he didn't want to just conduct military strikes on. A nuclear nation and that's probably probably for the better and he um, uh, apparently i mean apparently there, there's some progress in the china deal going on too as far as economics there but i don't know we'll see yeah yeah that's that's gonna be a kind of a long run long <laughs> game kind of thing but a long game uh, with the chinese I know. Well, long, long game for us probably for them they're like ah whatever yeah we saw this um uh, well, yeah. Well, both uh, you brought we'll up. We'll have to see. You brought up uh, North Korea, and that was the first World War Three that didn't happen. I I really liked uh, Iran's response when they were just like, "Everybody, leave! We're gonna hit you with these bombs." It's like well, some of them didn't work. Those were pots and pans. Just we killed thirty five <laughs> of you. Okay. It's like no. It's like yes, we killed thirty five. Okay, fine. You killed thirty five, and you didn't call ahead. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know nothing about that, but uh, they didn't kill anybody. I, well, I and, know. Uh, well, they came out on their on their news. They were saying like we killed thirty five soldiers or something like that, and so they'd go back. Yeah, to well, the, they, you know what? The, the, they they may have um, not that night, but other strikes they may have. Well, I say they. I mean proxies like like uh, Hezbollah right. may have killed some Iraqis. Um, but that no, that night they um, they launched a few ballistic missiles and. Uh, you know, some were duds. We uh, we did we did <laughs> we did we did not go to war. <laughs> I know. So it was good. I I thought it was actually well. Like even even for Trump's part, I thought it was well played to him. Like say, there's this response, zero fatalities, and and he gets to go in there. And it's like okay, well they responded. Uh, we got no dust. It sounds like they're backing down, which is great for everybody. So we're, you know we're moving on from here. Uh, but uh, yeah, economic yeah. sanctions. Yeah, it was kind of a victory lap for him, and uh, and well played. It was a victory lap, and it was also avoiding, um, you know, further escalation. It probably would have do- d- uh, devolved into war. Yeah, because um, he didn't rub and, their noses. And, uh, no, no, I thought it was pretty pretty well played. Um, I, I think he at least understands that much that um, that he probably would like to avoid a war. Oh, yeah. um, it's just he seems in general like he does not want to get into another war that he other than the ones he's already inherited. I mean, it was uh, something I, I mean, I owned. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he tends to, you know, stick with what he said he was going to do. Um, so we'll see. You know, we we, um, we keep talking about strategically, right, as a nation. We talk about um, shifting our focus to the Pacific. And, um, you know, from a military perspective, there's some real, real validity to that. Uh, the, you know... China being a, a fast-growing uh, regional power and uh, and soon to be 
when global power and I mean, the economy, their economy is already global. Right. And, um, the, their, their military is, uh, quickly catching up to ours. So there's real, real reason. Plus, you know, their, their behavior in the international commons, like, uh, in the South China sea where they're claiming, uh, territorial waters where, you know, beyond 12 miles or they're, they're, they're building artificial islands out of reefs and then claiming territorial waters around those islands. Which is so, really smart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's what they're doing is they're, they're challenging the, the um, international norms for right. kind of what, what's been accepted for decades. And, and then they've got their, uh, their coast guard that goes out and bullies, um, you know, Philippine um, fishing fleets and things. And, uh, and I say bully, I mean, there's like, some of them are actually ramming and, and trying to sink uh, fishing vessels. Yeah. So, so they, they've got a pretty concerted effort out there that uh, doesn't get a whole lot of attention, but you know, the Navy is, is aware of it and we're, we're, we're concerned because that is, um, you know, they're trying to shape the global uh, um, set of norms, international norms in their favor. And, uh, and kind of deny us, us being, you know, Western economies, uh, influence in that area. So big time focus for the Navy. And, uh, anyway, so I go on that rant to say that there's a, there's a real need to, to focus on the Indo-Pacific region. And if we continue to invest, um, resources, you know, blood and treasure in the Middle East, um, yeah. we're, we're not going to be able to do that, right? We can't just, we can't just be all things to all people and, and expect to have a real strategic focus and coherency in the Pacific if we're still em- embroiled, entangled, whatever you want to call it, in in the in, Af- in Iraq, Afghanistan. I mean, can't ignore those, but no, at the but, same time, there's a, there's a there's a yeah, like there's a there's got to be a coherent, there's got to be a like a, an actual exit strategy, and um and the best one that I've heard is Trump's just. I'm going to leave. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what better to say about that. I mean, you know, to some extent when they were talking about, uh, the Iraqi parliament was talking about kicking us out after the Soleimani money strike. I'm like, I mean, is it such a bad thing? Uh, I mean, I know we want to maintain influence. Um, did you hear about how I, that vote really went down though? About like how, how yeah, half it's, the parliament it's like non, didn't even show. Didn't show. Yeah. There's, there's not, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, high emotions mm-hmm. and, and after the strike and everything, but there's, I don't think that they have the, the votes. They in, barely in had their a parliament. quorum. So they barely had a quorum. Like, yeah. They almost didn't have enough people to even have yeah. a vote. Well, right. Cause I mean, it's, it's a, it's a pretty sensitive issue, right? They they understand the value that, that having the, the U S military in their country provides, especially when you have ISIS still being a threat. So there's the, there's like the near term, like existential threat of ISIS in their country, um, that we're helping with. And there's just the, the, uh, influence and also, I mean, I hate to say it, but our money, right. um, you know, that, that, that's a, a good thing for them. So, uh, um, it's not it's not as cut and dry as to say hey, let's kick out the americans um no well no i mean well and like you know there's 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 people that think it more long term on it well and that's the problem too is like cuz i get you know i at this point like especially when you start thinking about being in afghanistan for whatever 20 years it's like you know we sh- we got to leave at some point we can't have endless war but then you when you listen to some more you know logical but hawkish kind of people and they go, okay, well, you know, you leave, you leave Iraq, and that's going to mean that they're going to be influenced by Iran, most likely, which also means Russia. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. so you leave, and now what happens? That whole area becomes this Iranian-Russian kind of deal, and it's even worse uh, for us as a nation in a couple of years. And uh, and although yeah. I I hear that argument, it's um, I don't know, it, it it's almost like. It's like, okay, well, if they're destined to go that direction no matter what, as soon as we turn our backs, like, maybe instead of turning our backs and leaving, maybe we just creep out backwards, you know, keep the guns aimed, like, withdraw, but <laughs> keep an eye on the region, you know? Not, yeah, yeah. So, I think, like, like the diplomatic version of that, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's not a bad approach, right? You don't just, like, cut bait and run, like, um, the... Uh, um, you know, Vietnam, the, the images of um, the helicopter on top of the embassy kind of thing. Uh, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? I forget what, what, um, ah, oh, shit. 
where was the embassy? Was it uh, Hanoi? I don't remember. I don't know. Um, but anyway, there's like this iconic image of the last diplomats being taken away via helicopter from the roof uh, in Vietnam. You know, because they were just, we were finally done. We had it's just gotten so bad. And we're yeah. like, fuck it, we're out of here. So, and then of course, you know what happens. I mean, so I, I think we can probably avoid that that same uh, result uh, outcome in, in Iraq. But, you know, you're right. I mean, it's there, it's, we can't, we can't control what happens to them after we leave. And we can't, we can't be there forever. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I guess we could. I mean, fuck, we're, we're still in Germany. We're yeah. still in Japan. Um, <laughs> I mean, we can be there forever. <laughs> don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, um, I guess that is an option. Um, but you know, one of the other things I was going to say, um, you're right about the Russian influence. Um, certainly the Iranian influence. I mean, that's overt, yeah. uh, with Hezbollah and without, uh, a counterweight, like, like the Americans, um, what they're, one of the things they're trying to do is the, is the land bridge or the, the Shia crescent, uh, so to speak, uh, connecting Iran all the way through to, uh, Lebanon and then, uh, into, uh, Israel. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there, you know, that's a, that's sort of a long game for Iran is to be able to have a way to, um, it's a, it's a, it's a line of, you know, in the military terms, it's a line of communication, yeah. uh, to be able to transport weapons and, and supplies to their, uh, their brothers well, in and, arms. And there's been a big wanting. Um, I mean, even ISIS and everybody else. I mean, people want to rebuild the Ottoman Empire. Like the pre-Sykes-Pico divvying up of that region. They want to go back. They want their empire. And be in charge of yeah. it, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sykes-Pico definitely is a... And that's a good point. That's a huge reason for where the problems that we have in the middle east now yeah like we we uh, we or the british and french or whatever like the, you know it was teamwork yeah. we we created this problem we said you know it'd be a lot easier is if we had lots of warlords to deal with because we could bribe them one by one instead of having one powerful emperor we'll just have a, a bunch of regional powers and surprise didn't work too well surprise <laughs> surprise yeah so um yeah in summary uh, uh, iran is a bunch of assholes um <laughs> that's the hard hitting kind uh, of analysis they, you get here yeah that's yeah, right um <laughs> uh, and uh yeah and then and then the uh the the nuke deal is falling apart um surprise surprise um because they got deal. all mad and said hey we, you know we, we already left the deal a while ago and then the, the europe europe is still the deal with with um Iran, right. but uh, they're, they're like, because then Iran's like, well, you know what? We're going to start enriching uranium to weapons grade. Um, and then uh, Europe's like, um, come again? <laughs> well, that was the, so, that was the funny think, thing when they're like, well, we don't, you, you know, we're not going to do the deal anymore. It's like, well, that, that deal's not with us. The deal's with these other countries. So if you're withdrawing, <laughs> you're kind of <laughs> pissing off others. Yeah. Like, Go, uh, go talk to France and the UK. I don't, we, we don't care. Yeah. Our deal sucks. So, anyway. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we, we do we do need to get, you know, focused on, on China strategically. Um, I know I'm a Navy guy saying that, but it's, it's true. I, I really do think that's the, that's where the focus of effort should be um, in terms of, like, U.S. national security. Uh, yeah. I think the the uh, the Middle East thing will will uh, will be whatever it is, and um, you know we kind of have to look and see what our actual vital national interests are in the Middle East. We know with um, uh, you know oil, you know we it's different, right? It's different than it used to be. I mean, we're a net exporter. I mean, obviously, we still have some concerns with um, oil. In the Middle East, in terms of uh, the price and everything, right. but um, and the power that it know, gives think, to people. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Iran getting a nuclear weapon is a big deal, but uh, um, if we just if we keep pouring in trillions of dollars, um, you know, I don't. I mean, just imagine another another twenty years, and we're still fighting in Afghanistan. I mean, oh, that's. My God, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, what the hell? Well, yeah, and it would so, be a drain. I mean, that China would love it. I'm sure Russia would love it too. I mean, we'd be, we got a lot of yeah. focus over there, and 
The whole time they can just slowly yeah. build, slowly build. Yeah, yeah. build their their Belt and Road, and um, but it sounds like Trump. I mean, I don't know anything beyond what I see in the news, but it sounds like he is um, trending toward getting pulling out of Afghanistan. And I wonder if he would do that before the the um, election because I think that was something he ran on, like you mentioned before. Yeah, he um, ran on getting out. He, he ran on like uh, you know, no more endless you know wars and pulling out of these places you know, he was like I, you know his big thing was i was opposed to the war in iraq you know from the get-go or yeah. something um so i don't know i doubt he'll do it before the election just because right now things are going pretty well for him uh for getting reelected. so you know why rock the boat just let the yeah let let the year pass but second term maybe i mean because yeah. that's that's going to be the craziest thing um i mean you know, my bet is with all this impeachment crap, like that sealed Trump's reelection. Um, okay. And so, like, but Trump, a second term Trump, I think is going to look different than other second term presidents. I don't, I wonder if he's going to ever have a lame duck time or if he's just going to be like, fuck it, I'm going to keep doing some shit. He might pull out of everything. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you see the thing where he, um, there's a new book coming out and he, um, there's a couple of articles about a meeting he had with the the generals where he called everybody in uniform a bunch of uh, dopes and babies. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen that? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. apparently um, they were trying to explain to him, you know, the value of uh, coalitions and international partnerships and, and whatnot. And it's nothing new. I mean, we've, you know, from the book we, we had a, a few months ago, um, from Snodgrass. I mean, it's sort of the same thing. It, you know, he's not, he's not a fan of these kinds of agreements. Right. And, um, or at least, at least he wants to kind of challenge the status quo. And, um, so I guess they, they were trying to convince him of the value of these things. And I guess he said to, you know, actually, these are like four star generals and admirals and, uh, <laughs> and the secretary of defense Mattis was there and, um, Rex Tillerson was there. And uh, apparently, it was just like the most uncomfortable environment that any of them had ever. Like everybody was like, "Should I leave the room right now?" Because <laughs> it was it was so bad. Uh, just totally, you know. I mean, it's pretty blatant to go after your uh, your senior brass like that. Um, but if you think, and uh, I mean, if you if if you're somebody who's you know the commander in chief, and you honestly think that. Um, you know, there's been a problem with this endless war, the the uh, military-industrial complex, and all that kind of crud. And you think that the people presenting you are just presenting the same old shit that has been problematic for years. Then I can see, you know, yeah, speaking your mind, and everybody knows Trump says whatever flows through his head. Yeah, I think it was um, pretty shocking to the people in the room that they were. Sure like, was. I think it was early on in his presidency, so. <laughs> Um, but also what was, what was surprising is, um, apparently Mattis didn't say anything and just kind of kept his head down. And, uh, Tillerson was, you know, I, I don't, Tillerson may or may not have said something, but I saw a quote from him where he was like pretty shocked that Mattis didn't step up and, and say something to kind of defend his guys. Um, maybe, but, agreed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, he's he's uh, he's definitely not no no um not afraid of challenging the status quo. So um, I, I I think he'll I, I would be surprised if he leaves office and we're still and we're still in Afghanistan. Um, It'll be interesting. It just seems like something that um, I mean, I hope I hope I really I, I I'm no I'm not quiet about the fact that I don't think we should still be in Afghanistan. I, I have a hard time uh, justifying why we're still engaged in military operations there. Um, yeah. And, and it, part of it is we, we got, like I said earlier, we got to focus, we got to focus nationally on something that is going to be a hard challenge. Um, you know, war, war with China, if it ever happens is, is not going to be anything like what we're used to, you know, 
oh. uh, hundreds to thousands of couch- casualties in a day kind of thing. And uh, we're just not – we're not ready for that as a nation. So oh, and China uh, will go after our gr- – I mean, they're, they're going to hit the power grid. I mean, they'll they'll do some strategic kind oh, of yeah. thing. Like It might not even be a weapons attack, but all of a sudden our power grid's going to go down or something crazy like that where we're going to have attacks well, on the home front that don't look like traditional the home war. Front. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think um, the the uh, this comfort that we have that we're so insulated from from war because it's fought overseas and not uh, in in America. Uh, I don't think that would be the case. Um, like you said, maybe not you know bombs landing in New York City, but uh, uh, the power grid, uh, the information space. I mean, you know that's kind of already happening now. I mean, we're already seeing where foreign adversaries are trying to influence us. Um, you know, via Twitter and all this other stuff. So I think they would just take that to the next level. Just imagine, um, imagine Manhattan and, losing power and like four days, five days, no power in Manhattan. Like they don't have to drop a bomb. That place would be torn down yeah. to rubble. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, it would be, I mean, it's the same thing with like, if you took away the, um, the 4G or the 5G network, in a, I mean, just I know it sounds silly, but you would you would create chaos yeah. after a while. Um, well, that's the thing. If it's uh, down long enough. Well, yeah, and if the power's down and the internet's down, suddenly you can't communicate. You got a bunch of people trapped in a small space. Food at some point will get sparse. You know, first couple of days it's New York. There's lots of food around, but you better believe people are going to be stealing yeah. and shit. And then like people are going to be hunkering down. It's going to be you know some post-apocalyptic looking shit. And it just takes, you know, yeah. a couple of weeks, no bombs. Yep. You know, then we um, we took away our, um, you know, our logistics networks and uh, our, our merchant shipping, and then that they can influence that as well. And uh, uh, all of a sudden, um, things look pretty different. I remember what um, I think it was on our show. Uh, uh, Sal uh, Mercagliano said. Um, we're all uh, only nine meals away from killing each other over a Twinkie. <laughs> yeah, uh, that sounds about right. I, so I kind of like that. That's uh, I mean, it's very true that we um, kind of we have we we are very very accustomed to our our system and uh, and we don't realize how fragile it is. <laughs> and yeah. I and I'm pretty sure that kind of thing would be that would be definitely fair game in a in a, a conflict with a, an adversary like China. Well, and um, the way you were describing their actions of, you know, bullying in the waters and uh, adding a little island and all that kind of crud, like, it just sounds, like, when you when you hear it all next to each other, it sounds like when you read about, you know, any of the past world wars uh, in history books and, like, how they start, like, well, they started off by annexing this country, well, then they did this, and everyone was like, well, they can bully that country, that's okay, they can bully them, they can bully them, and at some point it's just like, holy shit, we're in a war, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're trying to, they're trying to shape the global economy in their favor and they've right. got enough horsepower to do it. Um, you know, the belt and road is essentially a, a, a multi-trillion dollar bet to, uh, to, on the, on the future of the world. Um, you know, what I, uh, and, and it's one of those, one of those things where if, if it goes well or it doesn't go well, either way, it doesn't look that great for us. So we have to, we have to be prepared for, for what our counter strategy is. And I don't know that we're thinking it, through um at least not like on a national level like not in a coherent way not mm-hmm. just the, the department of defense but also i guess it really comes down to the national security council right because they're sort of charged with national strategy um and uh, i just don't know that there's enough focus there um but we'll see but i mean i heard today they're you know china's um birth rate dropped to the like its lowest levels in like 60 years or something like it's like oh, yeah. really bad it's really low and um almost like having a one-child policy is not great for birth rate yeah no right so i think they're 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 and it's yeah one of those things it's not surprising but they're dealing with it and uh i'm almost as concerned with china not doing well economically and domestically as i am with them doing well if that makes sense like you just worried about they're, the global economy or something? Yeah, they they they're setting themselves up for they're 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 placing a huge bet, and if and if they collapse, then it's not going to look that good for us either. Um, from a 
global economy perspective. And I also am concerned that they, they, they would choose to pick a fight. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, they would, if they're, if they're sort if the, if the communist party is on its way down, uh, because they haven't sustained population growth and therefore their economy is on the verge of collapse. And we're pressuring them with whatever the next version of the tariff war is, you know, in 20 years, then you could see where the, their, their leaders would say, well, maybe now is the time to strike. Um, you know, so, and they, 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 it's, it's, it, and China, yeah, go ahead. China owns over $1 trillion of us debt. So like if all of a sudden they're going down and they go, okay, we're going to go ahead and, sell these bonds we need a trillion bucks america right and so yeah we ain't got right. it. i mean uh, the, our our economies are, are intertwined in no way you know it's nothing like us and iran it's completely different and and iran is also i mean they're on the verge of collapse and and you know we're seeing the results of that with their uh, periodic strikes and whatever but um i think you would just see that like on steroids with china if they were if they were really on the verge of collapse and uh I don't, and of course, if you look at the other side, and if they, if the Belt and Road succeeds, and they have all this infrastructure, and they're just pouring money into their economy, and then they become the number one economy in the world, and we're number two, and uh, it, the, you know, all of our partners start to question whether or not they really want to partner with us, or whether they want to partner with China, and then all of a sudden, all of the international norms that are that they're challenging start to get rewritten in their favor, um, and then the world looks very different. That's not good either, right? So uh, I think that um, would, I I just don't know. Like I just it seems like it's being held it's held together, you know, by willpower and force. You know, like I mean, look at Hong Kong and all that. Like I I just don't like if if they had a if they kept going freer if they weren't uh, edging. You know, they're a dictatorship now. Like it's it's official. The, yeah. the president will yeah. always be the president. Um, and they. Uh, and Pooty Poot did that too. He, uh, the government just resigned yeah. or whatever. So now, Pooty Poot's more official of a dictator, as if there was any question. But uh, yeah, but, <laughs> you know they Putin, pretended for a while. Putin, uh, yeah, it was like not. It's like in a surprise to no one. <laughs> yeah, but Putin, Putin decides he's going to be in power for longer. Well, to his credit, though, he keeps finding out the ways to do it in the Constitution. It's just like, okay, so what? I got to be a different role. Okay, I'll be a different role. It's like, well, now you can't do anything. It's like, well, but the government can resign, and then you'll have to control and assign a new one. It's like, great, let's do that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I mean, imagine he just gets everybody in a room and says, "Okay, here's what you're gonna do." Yeah. Um, we got two options: I'm gonna be in charge legally through the Constitution, or I'm gonna shoot you in the face and all of your children <laughs> die. <laughs> you know, he's gonna be like riding a bear shirtless, and he's gonna be like, "This bear is gonna eat your face." That's right. Or you're you're gonna resign, and uh, it's up to you. <laughs> oh, the amount of time I've spent training that bear! I can't believe it's going to be the end of me. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I train that bear to eat faces? <laughs> oh, Winnie the Pooh like, was so cute. Joke's on you, sucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, anyway, so yeah, so China is uh, is you know there. You're right. It's all it's 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 um it's strongman dictatorship. Um, I'm not saying that that. Well, I mean, clearly, I don't, I don't agree with it, and oh, no. in the, and, and I also, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to work. Um, that kind of leadership, uh, not not leadership, that kind of uh, government, really, right. um, tends to to um, strangle, kind of self destruct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, Hong Kong, like you said, that's a great example. I mean, the people there are doing incredible things in the face of enormous adversity. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's still going and really hasn't, I don't even think it's gotten the attention it deserves in the United States. I mean, it it's being been. covered a little bit, but um, just they're, they're, they're still going. I mean, I've seen some brutal videos um, and just all this, the the um, so-called suicides that are happening and uh, um, where people are, you know, um, and they're, they're videotaping these things where like somebody's getting thrown off of a building and, and then the cops, the cops say it's a suicide, or yes. um, you know, there's all these um, bodies Gestapo. turning up in, in in rivers, and and then there's um, just yeah, bloody beatings of protesters on the ground and all this stuff, and and then there's and they're still going. I mean, it's just it's a uh, it's pretty incredible. 
um, well, that's a, if you know, the, you have to wonder <laughs> well, if, 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 uh, go ahead, go ahead. the, uh, the, well, I was just thinking about the Occupy Wall Street folks, Ugh. you know, if they had faced the Hong Kong police or the, you know, the quote unquote police, <laughs> right. you know, how quickly they would have scattered. Right. Yeah. The Antifa, like we are anti-fascists. It's like, oh yeah. Cause we're real fascists. And we're going to beat your skull. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> America's not so bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They get, so yeah. Comparing um, like these videos from, from Hong Kong of like these like incredibly brave people coming up with ways to like hide their faces and, and you know, just mm-hmm. try to peacefully protest as they're being straight murdered, and compare that to the videos of fucking Seattle, where like you get these Antifa people that are just screaming in people's faces, like get that fucking camera out of my face, and just like hitting people for videoing them, and they're like, oh, you're a fucking fascist, you're a fucking fascist. It's like you're the ones in all black wearing masks beating people for thinking differently. So. <laughs> Hey, uh, you keep using this word. <laughs> I do not think it means what you think it means. Oh. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah. So, I guess my point is, China is is definitely the the uh, challenge or threat, however you want to look at it. That that, um, that, that people say it is, and uh, we need to. Yeah, it does. It does for sure. Um, and, uh, and it, it is, um, you know, something that it's, it's, uh, it's the Pacific, right? It's a naval theater. So, um, you know, kind of bridging over to, uh, another topic, we need to build a fleet, right? We need to, um, Look at if we're you. Gonna challenge, you, you took my segue <laughs> right out of my mouth. Look at you. Oh, there we go. So build the fleet. Yay. We need, we need ships. We need, the magic number is 355, uh, and we... we um, Why do we no have such a that... problem building ships? Everyone's talking about building ships. It doesn't seem like it's an impossible challenge to overcome, so what's the deal? Um, oh, that's a great question. So you have to... You have to so, so ships are, are constantly getting older and obviously obviously getting older and they have to be uh, decommissioned right and so there's 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 ships that are exiting the fleet and then we are building ships and then they come in and so you have to kind of maintain a net positive so you have to build more ships than you're decommissioning um, so you can do a few things right you can do better maintenance to preserve the the uh, the life the life cycle of a ship. So you keep it in service longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that slows the rate at which they're exiting the fleet. And then you can, um, build ships. You can build more ships. Like you can increase the capacity of the shipyards. Um, those are, those are all things that, that could be done, but they require investment, um, from our government. I mean, how and, much um, do we spend in military spend? We spend tons of money on the military. How, like, how do we not have enough to build ships? Yeah, so the the uh, the CNO would tell you he needs more money. Um, we get about about a third, roughly. You know, it kind of breaks down to like one third, one third, one third. With Army, Navy, Air Force. Um, the 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 Navy does get the the largest share, I think, by a few percentage points. But we've got the Marine Corps also in the in the department. Right. Um, so it doesn't all go to shipbuilding, but uh, um, we uh, we do need to, you know invest in it um you know our ship our ship builders they're, they're private companies and they've suffered um lack of lack of investment over the last uh 20 years or so has caused them to you know they've basically lost some of their capacity to build ships so they're yeah that that, that gear takes a long time to turn hmm. um and so they're dealing with that they're, they're trying to get back up into a, a full capacity and uh, like if they have gaps, like if they 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 kind of need to these big shipbuilding companies need to need to be churning out ships like one after another. And yeah. if there's a gap, then then they lose all that um, that uh, that ability. You know, with manpower and and resources and and um, time and availability of their um, their shipyards and. And, and it, so if they stop building, then it takes a long time for them to get 
back up to speed to you know to right. resume production basically well that makes um, sense but what like it, how much does one, so, how much does a ship cost because it looks like the the navy budget then divided by three here would be somewhere around 240 billion dollars a year well so most of that money goes to people right, right? and then um operations and maintenance um I think, and actually, I think I think if you look at the budgeting categories, I think O and M accounts for people. But uh, so you got your manpower cost, uh, and then you got your cost of uh, maintaining the ships and then operating the ships. Um, you know, doing all your stuff and kicking ass and taking <laughs> names and um, five dollars for ass kicking, sir. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, <laughs> yes, it's funny you say that. We actually we did charge um, Saudi Arabia. Um, I think a, a billion dollars to um, put troops in the country. So, yeah, um, it, yeah so we're mercenaries. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, so so a lot of that, a lot of that's not shipbuilding, and um, like the the new Ford class carrier is um, uh, thirteen billion dollars. So it's that's pretty, and that's not even including the airplanes. So that's a pretty expensive ship. Um, there's other i mean i think submarines are are, are like two billion um uh, the bl- ballistic missile submarines even more um a, a ddg a destroyer is i think a, i think it's a and that we it's about a billion dollars and we've been building those for a while right so you know if you build like the like a, sh- a, sh- a certain ship class you build it over and over again and the cost per unit comes down okay um you get better at building it and the, so the first in a yeah yeah it's like a learning curve and um you uh it, it costs less over time so um it's about a, it's about a billion dollars for a, an arleigh burke class destroyer uh, um so those are those those are expensive ships right so the um the goal is to get to uh, 355 ships um there's been that's been the magic number for a while now and i it's based on, you know, some analysis that a bunch of smart guys did to say, hey, if you want to do these things as a Navy, um, then you need to have this many ships and, you know, this kind of ship. How and, many um, do we have? Uh, 290, 291. Uh, that's not too far off. Two, two, 293. Uh, but here's the thing. So you need about 60 ships, right? And yeah. um, if you, you know, let's say 10 years – you want to get 60 ships well you have to build six ships a year um decommission which, zero and exactly right so you don't get to decommission zero you have you got to build a lot more or or you could try to extend the life of those ships that are aging um, but that depends on good maintenance and we're not good at maintenance we're great um we're, we're just we're just not 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 as like a navy not not as like a an industrial complex. I mean, most of the, I think it's like 70% of ships going through a maintenance period, you know, in the shipyards, um, are delayed and over budget. So, huh. the, you know, it's just, it's just, um, it's an ongoing problem. Uh, and so we, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that is, it's not a, not a solved problem. Um, they're talking about now, um, including unmanned ships and in, in the uh in the count okay. um which is c- kind kind of insanity considering we don't even have a single unmanned ship <laughs> and in fact it hasn't uh, um hasn't really even been invented yet um i mean i mean there's i guess there's some prototypes out there but um there was like no kidding like a a, a suggestion or even a direction to say hey we need to um, we need to reduce the shipbuilding budget and, and cut some ships, but we're also going to hit our 355 mark and we're going to include unmanned ships. And I don't in that. understand the effectiveness of that. Cause like, you know, I understand unmanned drones, you know, something small, uh, doesn't show up on the radar, can be armed, but it's, uh, but I don't, I don't see the point of it for like a water based vessel. Cause if you want to take out a ship, a different ship use the sky you know use unmanned drones what like what would you accomplish i mean maybe an unmanned submarine i could see if it had a yeah yeah 
you could have you basically you mean the the value of it is taking away all the life support um and you can you can redesign the ship to be just a total killing machine yeah um just a and, and it, mobile missile launch well or, or you know with sensors and uh you know, and radios and all the other things you need for uh, naval combat um but you can do it more in a, in a in a better more cost effective way um but you're absolutely right about unmanned submarines i mean that's something that we're investing in as well uh unmanned surface ships is still probably there's some value there yeah. um you know, you, you you mentioned drones. I mean, from the air is is definitely an effective way to uh, take out an enemy ship. But there's a range issue. I mean, we we wouldn't be able to um, operate a fleet of drones um, from shore bases mm-hmm. and still effectively get after uh, an enemy fleet. You know, we we have we have lots of bases, but it, 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 the, uh, the the geography doesn't work out in our favor. So you need to have some sort of sea basing. Yeah. in order to uh go after a fleet um so that's what they're they're thinking there but i mean okay. it's um it's not it's just it's not an, an it's a, it's a good direction to go as far as like diversifying the fleet sure. and and like experimenting with technology but it's not a near-term solution so um what what i would what i would humbly suggest is that we invest in smaller uh frigate or uh patrol craft missile you know missile boats or um you know basically what i'm I'm saying is less exquisite you know uh death star style ships more x-wings exactly so i mean it's that's not a new mentality it's just something that gets debated a lot because the the um pentagon loves its aircraft carriers and they're very powerful um we we love our our um world-class destroyers and you know the zoom walt class destroyer which we're only going to build like two or three of i think i think it's just two now i mean it's, a, it's basically a science experiment like what what, what do you really get, gain with with two ships of a class uh, added to your fleet hmm. but um you know so we've got these like very niche uh almost like craft style uh ships um but you don't have a lot of them there's not a lot of quantity uh-huh and so uh, more of the value is in like each unit like the per unit value is very high and a lot of people will say that in naval combat particularly in a in missile style naval combat that um you you need to have more platforms you need more quantity than you do quality um because the big fucking target out there it's a it's a big target and you um you need to you need to invest a lot in protecting it and then you know, if the enemy happens to get a lucky shot, that and and takes out of the out of out of the fight, you've just lost a huge portion of your combat power. Right. Um, so there's a lot of risk there. Um, maybe the unmanned. But also, maybe the the unmanned uh, is the is kind of the key to getting your thing your thoughts going because if you had if you're able to to park you know some vessel probably a lower profile vessel. Uh, just out in the middle of the ocean somewhere, and you can launch drones from it. You can launch missiles from it, um, and it kind of works as an aircraft carrier. Kind of works, you know, as a yeah. little mobile mm-hmm. launch mm-hmm. station. Then, yeah, you could have more of your scramblers out there, more of your X-wings going around. Yeah, and another value of the unmanned piece is that you know you don't risk sailors' lives, and uh, you know we Americans hate to to put our put individual lives at risk and for good reason uh but in a war with china you know we're we're gonna see casualties of of much higher numbers um and you know it's uh something that we i guess that's that's one way to avoid those massive casualties is to use unmanned ships but i'm not not convinced yet that that's gonna that's gonna be like the the um solution the the solution yeah the the magic solution to um you know just unmanned just, just don't put any people and we'll just use networks and uh an ai Ugh. and uh and that's all that's 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 a long way away from being an effective way to fight a war well and like um, and to be honest like the the unmanned drones you know since they all have real life pilots i you know one of my yeah. concerns is that will be something that attracts an attack you know on the home front because you know if, if china's intelligence says like hey look at all these pilots working out of uh you know vegas in this one little 
is one little strip mall that looks like nothing, but it's actually, you know, where all the pilots go. It's like, okay, well, take that out. That is a military installation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, engaged in combat uh, on their home front. Right. Yeah. So if they're flying, if those, if those pilots are flying drones that are in uh, Chinese airspace, then do they get to, I mean, that's a good question. Yeah. They're, they're looking at their, um, from, from their perspective, those pilots are engaged in combat on their soil. Cause I know if it was the other soil. way around, if there was unmanned drones from some country that, you know, did something in our space and we're like, Oh, we know this came from, you know, uh, that elementary school in China, I'd say, well, that sucks. Bomb the elementary school, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's another, another advantage of an, of a forward deployed Navy is to take away, take that, that fight to the enemy and yeah. not, not, um, on the home front. So, um, no, I agree with you. So, and you can have, you know, drone operators forward deployed, like on ships sure. or, or even, um, you know, in aircraft, I mean, DARPA is looking at ways they can have like a, uh, flying, uh, drone carriers where the, the drone, um, deploys from the, from the big air airship and then also gets recovered back onto the airship. So That's cool. they're looking at all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, bringing the fight to the enemy and talking about the very most important thing that's that's ravaging our nation today, somebody yeah. ripped off our mug. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And they didn't bastards. even do it right. They didn't do it right. Oh, little... Yeah. What was it? Maybe should we even say their, their name to give them any you know advertising? What? Yeah, we're gonna, because fuck them. Navy Spirit okay. Gear. No one should buy from them, because they're a bunch of hacks. They say that they graduated yeah. from the Naval Academy, and they're swoes or whatever the fuck, but they're just a bunch of hacks ripping people yeah. off. No, they 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 said they were submariners and aviators. They're not swoes. Oh, so. okay, whatever. Yeah. They're assholes. Yeah, that explains everything. And they're the reason, um, they're the reason that today's Navy is suffering, because of people like them. <laughs> no original ideas, just ripping off... Yeah. Ripping people off. Don't even go to their website. Yeah, a bunch of punk bastards. Taking taking all the quality material from people that are working hard, you know, down in the trenches, trenches, and and trying their best, and then they just um, just taking all the credit. Yeah. How but, many uh, how many senior officers have your stupid mug, Navy Spirit? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's <laughs> piss me off. Yeah, so yeah, I know. Yeah, we're just gonna have to think of something better. Yeah. Um, and well, do you got anything what, else for this uh, should, session? <laughs> no, no, I'm trying to think of some witty insult to throw at Navy Spirit here, but it'll come to me. And it's their flare. They're a Twitter. flare shop. They're just making buttons to hang on, hang on their damn polos. <laughs> What did you say earlier? They don't know their portholes from their assholes? Yeah, I posted that on their Instagram post. <laughs> uh, <laughs> take that. Take that. Take that through your social media porthole. <laughs> well, speaking of that, uh, everybody can remember that they can go to saltyherald.com. There's a link there where you can buy the authentic gear for OK Boomer. You can show your support with uh shit, what does it say? I'm with Salty or I'm Yeah, I'm with Salty. That's the newest shirt. Yeah. So, uh get your shit from hey, us so you can shove it down yeah. Navy Spirit Gear's throat. That's right. And don't yeah, and also um if you buy anything that says salty from Eddie Gallagher, um, we're, we're blocking you. Did, wait, um, does Eddie Gallagher sell salty stuff? Yeah, man. You didn't know that? No, I heard you say something about buying a shirt. I did not realize that he was using the word salty. He's like, he's like salty something. You know, it's one of those, one of those vet bro, um, companies that he teamed up with and he's, uh, he's got some salty shit. I don't know. It's all, it's all fake. He's not salty. That is some bullshit. Yeah. Google that yeah, so Fuck him, too. Fuck him. Hold on, now I gotta read uh, what it's called. <laughs> Salty Frog. I don't know. Stay yeah. Salty. Ah, oh, he's... Stay Salty. You don't get to... Ah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All these people are wasting our flavor. 
Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to, <laughs> this is like, to send uh, Salt Life a uh, cease and desist order too. <laughs> well, that's uh, I've got a couple of hats for uh, for Christmas. It's I forget what it says. Salty something. It's got the word salty on it. Like, hey, look at that! It's got plaid on it. You know, I wear a lot of plaid. <laughs> I think it's plaid. It's salty. And so both uh, both uh, Rachel and the kid got me one. So now I don't even know what the brand is. Who owns it? It just said salty. So I liked it. <laughs> so we're we're supporting someone, but you you should support us. So. Yeah. So and you can do that in lots of ways. You can subscribe and like us. Give us good reviews on all the sites: the iHeartRadio, the Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. All them. They're all on the interwebs. They are. You can find them on the interwebs. You can find them at saltyherald.com. There's little links to them. Also on Salt Force One and. Buy our things, read yeah. uh, our articles, tell everyone how wonderful we are. Yeah, and tell us what we should talk about on uh, Salt Force One. Because, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things we could talk about, but uh, we want to hear from you, Man, the listener. I don't really want to hear from you, but whatever Jimmy does, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we don't care about your opinion, we just want feedback so we can, uh, you know... It's it's what you're supposed to do as podcast hosts, right? You're supposed to engage with your listeners. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's what Twitter's for. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Reach us All on right. Twitter. You can tell us that way. That that works. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Fair well, enough. so for our first transatlantic podcast, you want to send us on our way? Yeah, I will. Let me let me get out my Telegram here and type in the. Uh, the digits uh no no i've enjoyed it thank you very much and um until next time keep it salty keep it salty. Yeah. much better than stay salty so yeah don't don't stay salty Just keep it salty keep it salty